You're listening to Time in the Word. The promises of God are the lifelines of the soul, and the word promise is one of the synonyms used by the writer of Psalm 119 for the Word of God. Here we learn that God's precious promises are to be discovered, loved, pondered, claimed, and reciprocated. Many people today leave their spouses, their churches, their jobs, or their families, claiming their needs aren't met. But our deepest needs can only be met by God through actively discovering, loving, pondering, claiming, and reciprocating His promises. We're going to spend a little bit of time today looking at Psalm 119, one of the great psalms in the collection of psalms that we have in the Old Testament. It's, it's a long psalm, and, and I, would, I would strongly encourage you to read the whole psalm, study the whole psalm, and spend time understanding what the Word of God is teaching us through that psalm. There are many promises that God makes to His children. And promises, God's promises, are lifelines to our souls. And in Psalm 119, the word promise is one of the synonyms used by the writer for the Word of God. So we're going to spend a little bit of time, we're going to make five specific points regarding how we learn to use the promises of God in our lives to help us grow and become the people that God has called us to be. So if you have your Bibles with you, if you open up to Psalm 119, and we're going to learn from this Psalm that God's precious promises are to be first and foremost discovered. Psalm 119, the first verse I want you to look at is verse 82. My eyes fail looking for your promise. I say, when will you comfort me? If we are going to successfully allow the promises of God to make a difference in our lives and to cause us to become the Christians that God wants us to become, we have to understand that the promises of God must be discovered by His children. The Word of God is filled with promises, but if we do not study the Word of God, we will never discover His promises. Another verse we can look at is verse 123. My eyes fail looking for your salvation, looking for your righteous promise. We must discover the promises of God. This book, which we call the Word of God, is not a book that contains the Word of God. It is the Word of God. This book was given to us by God in which He reveals Himself to us, in which He reveals His will, His desire for us as human beings, in which He reveals the gift of salvation, reveals the gospel of Jesus Christ, and in which He gives us as believers many promises. That's why we say as Christians that the Word of God, the Bible, is the only source for life for the believer because it contains the truth of God and the promises of God. Do you know what promises God has made you personally? If you're a Christian and you own a Bible, every time you spend time reading your Bible, you are reading God's revelation of Himself and of His will and of His goodness and of His love. This 
book was written for us individually and corporately. And in it, he reveals the many promises that he has made for us. But if we don't spend time in the Word of God and we fail to discover the promises of God, we will never experience those promises as the lifelines that they were designed to be for us as Christians. The word promise, again, is a synonym for the Word of God in this psalm. So the Word of God needs to be discovered, and the only way we're going to discover the Word of God is by actually spending time studying it, meditating on it. We must discover the Word of God. The last passage I want to look at regarding discovering the Word of God is Psalm 119.162. I rejoice in your promise like one, like one who finds great spoil. It must be discovered. When you begin to discover the promises of God, you will find out that the promises of God are worth more than anything else in life because if God has made you a promise and you've discovered that promise, you know that God will fulfill that promise because He cannot lie and He is absolutely faithful. There is nothing more satisfying in, 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 in the Christian experience than learning about His promises to us and knowing, trusting God to fulfill every single one of those promises. He will not falter in fulfilling those promises. Secondly, His promises are to be loved. Again, we're going to spend our entire time in Psalm 119. Now we'll go back to verse 50. It says, my comfort in my suffering is this, your promise preserves my life. We are to love the promises of God because of what they do for us. In verse 76, he says, may your unfailing love be my comfort according to your promise to your servant. We are to love the promises of God because the promises of God bring great comfort and joy to the life of the believer. The last verse I want to look at regarding loving the promises of God, verse 140, where the psalmist says, Your promises have been thoroughly tested and your servant loves them. You know why? The servant of God loves the promises of God because the promises of God have been tested in that the promises are from a God who cannot lie, who cannot turn from the promise he has already made, who cannot not fulfill the promise he has already made. We are to discover the promises through our quiet time, through our Bible study, and we are, as we discover those promises, we are to love those promises because those promises come from a God of love and a God who loves 
us beyond anything you and I can possibly imagine. How much does God love you? He loves you enough to have given His own Son to die for you on a cross so that if you are willing to turn to Him and confess your sin and trust Him as Lord and Savior, He will forgive you and spare you from an eternity in hell. That's how much God loves you. That's how much we are to attempt to love the promises of God. Now, the third thing is that the promises of God are to be pondered, or to be pondered or meditated upon. Look at again uh, Psalm 119, and we're going to look at verse 148. The psalmist says, My eyes stay open through the watches of the night, that I may meditate on your promises. We are to discover the promises of God, we are to love the promises of God, and we are to ponder or meditate upon the promises of God. You know what it will do for your Christian experience if you spend time just meditating on the promises of God. If you're not a Christian, God has still made promises to you in that if you are willing to confess your sin, repent of your sin, and trust the Lord Jesus for your salvation, God has promised to save you. And He will save you because that is what He said He would do if you would confess, repent, and trust in Jesus. And if you are a Christian, do you know promises that God has made specifically and personally to you? Think about what the New Testament says Christ is doing today for the believer. The New Testament teaches the believer that Christ is today building our permanent residence in heaven. You know that the Bible says that Christ is today interceding for His church. Christ has promised to do certain things in the life of every Christian. Have you ever considered those promises and meditated on those promises? The promises of God are a great source of encouragement. They give you strength. They build your faith. They give you courage. There has never been a promise that God made that He did not keep, ever. From the beginning of time to now, God has never failed in keeping a single promise. That is unbelievable to the natural mind because you and I know that we as individuals often fail in keeping our promises. In fact, we probably fail more often in keeping promises than we do in keeping them. So for us to even consider the possibility of someone being able to make so many promises and never fail in keeping them is almost unbelievable even to us. But by faith, we know it's true because we know for a fact that God has never made a single promise to us that He has not kept. Meditate on the promises of God. In fact, there's a passage in the New Testament that I had not originally thought about going to look at, and maybe I may not read it, but refer you to it. it. It is in Philippians. And you remember the passage of Scripture where Paul tells us that we are to 
meditate on those things that are praiseworthy. We are to meditate on those things that are good, that, 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 that are holy, that are, that are worth meditating upon. Those are the promises of God. Listen, if you suffer from depression, if you are frustrated with life and with circumstances in your life, if you're struggling with relationships with uh, friends or, or family or, or neighbors or co-workers, consider the promises of God so that you may be encouraged and built up in your faith. You are already victorious as a Christian because God has promised victory. Meditate and ponder upon the promises of God so that your faith may be strengthened, so that you may be encouraged as an individual, knowing that you are in the hand of an Almighty God who loves you beyond anything you can possibly imagine. So the, word, the promises of God, the Word of God, is to be discovered, it is to be loved, and it is to be pondered. Fourthly, the Word of God, or the promises of God, is also to be claimed. The promises of God are to be claimed by God's children. Back to Psalm 119. Start looking at verse 38. This is what the psalmist says. Fulfill your promise to your servant, so that you may be feared. You know what the psalmist is doing here? He's asking God, he's claiming the promise. And he's saying, God, fulfill your promise. And you know why he wants God to fulfill his promise? So that he may be feared. Not so the psalmist can be scared or afraid of God, but so that the psalmist may have greater reverence and awe for God. Listen, there's nothing more invigorating for a Christian than to know what the promises of God are, to claim those promises, and to see God fulfill those promises in our lives. That causes us to understand God even more. Every time, every time I claim a promise of God, and every time He fulfills that promise, I have a greater sense of awe and reverence for God because I learn Every time he fulfills a promise, I learn more about the faithfulness, the goodness, the mercy, the love of God. So the psalmist says, fulfill your promise so that I may grow in my reverence and awe my fear of you. Verse 41, may your unfailing love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Another passage that we can look at, a few verses down from there, verse 58. I have sought your face with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. Fulfill your promise in my life, Lord. Be gracious to me. Claim the promises of God. I'm not telling you that we are to come to God and tell God what He can do or not to give us or not give us. God has made promises and He wants us to discover them, He wants us to love them, He wants us to meditate on them, and He wants us to claim the promises He's made for us. He does not want us to come to Him telling Him what it is that we want or do not want. Claiming a promise is not telling God arrogantly what He can or cannot do 
can or cannot give us. Another verse, 116. Sustain me according to your promise, and I will live. Do not let my hopes be dashed. Claim, claim the promises of God. The fifth is the promises of God or the word of God must be reciprocated. Verse 57. You are my portion, O Lord. Oh, this is the one we don't want to hear about. We don't mind hearing about the fact that the Word of God must be discovered and loved and pondered on and claimed, but this is not the one we want to hear, but it's nonetheless here. Verse 57, You are my portion, O Lord. I have promised to obey your words. For the Word of God to be a lifeline to your soul, for the promises of God to be a lifeline to your soul, you must not only be willing to discover the Word of God, to love the Word of God, to ponder His promises, to claim those promises, but you must be willing to reciprocate through obedience. The Bible clearly teaches us that unless we obey His commands, we are proving not to be legitimately his children and thus our claim to a personal relationship with him is just that. Not real, just a claim. The fact that we obey the commands of God, the fact that we reciprocate is evidence and proof of the genuineness of our faith. As a matter of fact, obeying God should really come natural to a Christian. Because the more we learn about Him and the more we learn about what He's done for us and the more we learn about the promises that He's made for us, the more we ought to naturally want to desire in our spirit to obey Him, to honor Him, to please Him, to glorify Him, to do that which He's asked us to do. And, and you know what the great thing is? That God will never ask you to do something that is inconsistent with what would be good or best for your life. That's the great thing about the promises of God. They are for your own good. And the more you learn about the Word of God and the promises of God, the more, the more you're wanting to obey Him as evidence of your love and your genuine faith for Him. Listen, many people today leave their spouses. Many people today leave their families, their jobs. Many people today leave their churches because they claim that their needs aren't met. Well, our deepest needs are only met in the Lord through actively discovering, loving, pondering, claiming, and reciprocating the promises and Word of God.